You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. We're talking about dreaming, and uh, I want to show you something right from the beginning, and right from the beginning of the Bible. This is Genesis chapter 1. We're going to put a couple scriptures up here. It says this, the, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Next verse, verse three. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. Listen, from the very beginning, God set a pattern that where there was darkness, he was gonna shine light. And, and we live probably in my lifetime, uh, uh, probably in the darkest time in American history right now. And so he needs to shine more light. He wants to shine more light, but he's going to shine it through us. I said he's going to shine it through us. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus was, is the light that came to the world. That he is the light that came to the world. And so then what he says next is he said, listen, I took my light and put it inside of you. In Matthew 5, verse 16, it says this. So don't hide your light. We're not supposed to hide the light. I said we're not supposed to hide the light. We're not supposed to apologize for being the light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. There's three things about dreaming, about, about the works that God has prepared for us. There's three things that God wants to do and he lists them right here. Number one, he wants, he wants us to glorify God in what we do. Number one, he wants us to glorify him. Number two, he wants to be good to us. And number three, he wants, because he's good to us, us to be good and be a blessing to others. He says it right there. He says, I've got good works for you to do. And that's how you shine your light, is with the things I've called you to do. And, and guys, he's prepared this. He prepared this at the beginning of time for us. And we'll look at a verse on that in just a moment. But let's talk about what else he says about the light. In Psalms 119, 105, he says, I'll be a light to your. I'll light up your steps, and I'll be a, a even greater light to your pathway. He's always talking about the light, the light of God's word, the revelation knowledge of who God is and who we are in Him. And so He said, "Listen, I'll guide your steps with the light, and then if you'll begin to walk the steps I've called you to walk, I will light up your path. I will light up your path and show you the future." And I'll, I'll show you the dreams I've called you to dream and the things I've called you to do. And that's what he wants to do for every single human being on the planet. How do you know that? Because God's word says it. Go with me to Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 2. God just point blank says it. Ephesians chapter 2. I believe it's verse 10. It says this. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny. Everybody say destiny. You can put plan, dream, destiny right there. He has given each one of us. He didn't leave anybody out in this room. He didn't leave anybody out on the whole planet, ever. He never left anybody out. He has a plan and a destiny for each one of us. 
And he wants to tell us what it is. He's not, he's not trying to hold back and say, uh, you got to beg me for it. No, you got to walk into it. Let me say it again. You don't have to beg him for it. You have to walk into it. You have to begin to let his word light up your steps. And as you take each step and you, and you, you allow God to minister to you, what's the step I'm supposed to take? What is he dealing with you about right now? That's the next step. What is he shining in your life? It could be something that you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing, or it could be something that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. But he's, he's shining a light in each one of us and dealing with each one of us about something to take a step. And he said, if you'll begin to listen to my voice and let my word and my spirit guide you step by step, then I'll begin to light up your path and show you the bigger dream, your greater destiny. He says... He says this, he's given a destiny to each one of us for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. Let me read it again. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny, our dream, the plan for our life, and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So there's something God's called us to do that he, is, he has called us to do, created us to do, gifted us to do, and it's to shine light into darkness. It's to shine light into darkness. Well, pastor, what a, I'm a businessman. How do I do that? By being a Christian one. I'm a construction worker. How do I do that? Being a Christian one. Being a Christian construction worker. I'm a nurse. How do I do that? Being a Christian nurse. He's, he's called us to these places, and he said, I want my light to shine out of you onto people. I want, I, he, he said this, he created us for his good pleasure. He said, listen, when you do that, I will be glorified, you will be blessed, and then you will be a blessing to be, you'll be blessed to be a blessing to others. That's how it's always supposed to work. That's how he intended it to work. You can't give away what you don't have. So he wants to bless you to be a blessing, to glorify his name, and to shine into the darkness of whatever area and destiny and purpose he's called you to do. He said don't hide it either. Don't, don't let the world cause you to hide the light that's inside of you. Oh, man, if Satan can and other people can, they'll talk you out of it. Uh, we'll look at some stuff in some situations where God, where, where Satan and other people tried to talk people out of the light that God had shined on them. But he said, we have a destiny. He planned it before we were born and the good works we would do to fulfill the destiny, the purpose, the dream, the plan that God had for each one of us. Man, but we gotta begin to walk that out. Begin to do the things he's telling us to do right now, in this moment, at this time. You know, so many people are pipe dreamers. You know how I know? They're not doing anything right now to achieve it. Sometimes to achieve the dream and destiny God has for you, as I said earlier, he's got to change some of your habits. You have, you have bad habits that he's got to change. He's got to, he's got to fix those, and he's got to add good habits. He never just takes something away, but he doesn't give you something better in return. He'll always say, let's get rid of that, but let's add this, and this will bless you. And so he wants, to, he wants you to start walking those steps. And I, I love the scripture we talked about last week where God said, who despises the day of small beginnings? That if you, begin to, if you despise that everything that in life starts small, and you despise the small steps, and I see people all the time like, I would do that if, if God would do that, I'll do that. 
Listen, you're not waiting on God. God's always waiting on us. They, they would, you know, if that would have happened, would have, could have, should have happened, then I would do this. No, no, that's not going to work. You're never going to discover the destiny. You're never going to fulfill the good works that God planned for you to do that will glorify God. It will bless your life and bless your family and bless others around you. And I don't, I don't know of a world that's, that desperately needs it more than this world right now. And I'm not talking about over in Timbuktu. I'm talking about in Roswell, America, right now, today. I'm talking about in the state of New Mexico. I'm talking about every job you work and every place you go. There needs to be a light there. You're called to be the light there. I'm called to be the light there. But it'll always, it won't always uh, start the way you think it'll start. It, you don't always end up where you think you'll end up. It doesn't always play out in your head the way you think it should play out in your head. How do I know that? Well, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. I'm going to tell you a story. Don't put that up there yet. Don't put that up. Oh, they're going to read it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now some of you are going to be looking it up ahead of time. But listen, I'm going to set the story up. So Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob. He has a younger brother. He has a different mom than the other 10. His older brother's in front of him. He has a different mom named Rachel. And so uh, uh, Jacob loved Rachel more than, and really kind of favored her more than he did his first wife. So man, you mess with mama and the boys are going to be really mad. Don't mess with mama, boys will get mad. And so the, the boys are already a little mad, frustrated, and because Jacob favors uh, Joseph and his younger brother's mom over their mom, and then all of a sudden, man, Jacob gets the Calvin Klein out and puts it on Joseph. He gives him a jacket that is fashionable and it's the it's the best jacket they're wearing walmart and nothing wrong with that but they don't like it that he's wearing calvin klein and he puts on this jacket of many colors and he's like and it shows the favor of god and his natural father jacob on his life over his brothers so you know how that works older brothers get irritated with younger brothers anyway just because. Now they're really mad. And they don't like him. They don't like him because he's the oldest son of the favored wife. And he's the favorite of his daddy. And he now, now he's got a jacket that's different than their clothes. And he's wearing, he's wearing different clothes than they are. He's styling and profiling. And they're not. And he's different. Everybody say different. You know, when you dream God dreams, you're going to be different. You're going to be different than your family. You're going to be different than those around you. Now put the verse up. Thank you. you. Guys did great. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. They hated him even more. What was the dream? Well, he had two dreams, actually. One of them was that they all bowed down to him. Otherwise, not that they worshiped him, but that, that he was the leader of, of all the older brothers. Now, I'm telling you, that went over. <laughs> that didn't go over well with his 10 big brothers. <laughs> He's like, hey, guess what? I'm going to lead all you guys. 
And they're like, oh my gosh, we hated you before, we hate you even more. Then he had another dream that mom and dad bowed down to him, and he led mom and dad too. He was the leader of the whole clan. And they're like, oh my gosh, what audacity, what pride, what arrogance. Boy, we hate you, and we hate you times 10. Uh, there's families in our church that uh, changed how they did life. They got born again. They met Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. They changed their life. And uh, then what happened, and this is multiple families, probably maybe part of your story, I know it's part of mine, that when I got born again and God changed my life and gave me a new beginning, I stopped hanging around with the people I used to hang around with and stopped doing the things I used to, be, used to do. And I'm telling you, there was some animosity about it. I was different. Some of you are different than your families. Some of you, you don't go to the beer parties anymore. You tell them when you have a birthday party for your child, it's not gonna be a drunk fest. And they're like, there's not gonna be any beer. And they stop showing up. And when you show up and they are drinking and you don't drink, they're mad at you for not drinking. Why? Because you're different. You're going a different direction. I've had families in our church, man, every time they got a new car, God began to prosper them. They got a new house, a new car. I mean, God just began to bless their life and bless their business and bless them and promote them at their job that they couldn't even tell their family because when they began to tell their family that they were saved, coming to church on the move, and they now they're born again and they're serving God and they begin to be blessed and things begin to change in their household and things begin to change about them that every time they tell their family about a change or a blessing to happen, their family would be jealous or they wanted something. Okay, you're being blessed, you owe me. Or we can't, we hate you that you're different, that you're blessed. You're breaking away from what, we, what our family does. I've had other family members tell other family members, listen, you're, you're messing up the whole family because you're not drinking anymore. You're not partying anymore. This is, man, we're not, we're not the same. You're breaking up the family. And what, what they really broke up was the alcoholism of generational alcoholism. What they really started tearing down was generational divorce and generational bad habits and generational hurt and pain from their children. But oh man, you're breaking up the family. Listen, if you ever live a God dream, you ever, you ever find out what God's dream is for you, people are gonna love you and people are going to hate you. It comes with it. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. You're not a friend to the world anymore when you start dreaming God's dream and living out God's, God's uh, way of life. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When you start following Jesus into the way, the truth, and the life, you're not like them anymore. You're different. And when you're different, you're going to be pointed out as different. And when you're pointed out as different, people are going to hate you for it and some people are going to love you for it. But you're not going to be able to control who does what. That's their choice. That's their choice and their decision. This is his family that hates him. His older brothers all hate him, all 10 of them. And then, guess what? When you have a God dream and you begin to live a God dream, not only are some people gonna come around that hate you, they're gonna try to beat the dream out of you. And they're gonna be joined in by Satan and all the demons that are gonna try to beat that dream out of you. They beat Joseph up, threw him in a pit, and sold him into slavery, hoping to beat the dream, discourage the dream, get the dream of God out of him. 
And he served as a slave for 10 years, and then he prospered as a slave. He became the head of the whole household of his slave owner. He's the, he's the man. He's running everything, controlling everything. He's eating good. He's living good. And then the, the guy's wife wants to sleep with him because he's good looking, and he's successful, and she can see there's something different about him. And he says, no, I am not going to violate God. I'm not going to violate uh, my, my master, my owner. I'm not going to do it. And so she accuses him of rape and has him thrown into prison for three years. See, I'm sure that's not what Joseph thought when God gave him those dreams. He thought, I'm going to lead my brothers. I'm going to lead my mom and daddy. This is going to be good. Everything's going to be easy. Oh, man, someday, here real soon, I'm just, they're just going to all say, you're the leader, Joseph, and here you go, and it's going to be a piece of cake. And no, it won't be. Not when you're dreaming God's dream. Satan doesn't roll over and play dead. Matter of fact, he gets, you get his attention finally. You're the one that when you wake up, in bed, wake up in the morning, Satan and all the demons go, oh no, go back to sleep. We don't want you awake. That's what they did with Joseph. They're like, oh no, we gotta stop what's happening with Joseph. So they, they, his brothers attacked him, the, the Satan attacked him, and kept harassing and attacking him for 13 straight years until one day in prison, he interprets a dream for, uh, for some guys, and they remember that down the road. They, for, they tell him they're gonna remember right away, but it's like a year later, they've forgotten about him. He's forgotten about, abandoned. He's on his own. It's him and God in the dream. Sometimes it might just be you dreaming it. And so it's him and God dreaming the dream. They remember uh, after a while because they can't interpret the Pharaoh's dream. And so they call on, they want to make themselves look good. So they pull on Joseph. He interprets the dream. Immediately he goes from beaten up, beaten down, uh, imprisoned, falsely accused, all this stuff, ex-convict, rapist, slave, bad guy, to all of a sudden he's the second in charge of all of Egypt. Because he had a dream. Now, his dream, listen to this, his dream is that he would lead his brothers and his parents. Now he's leading the whole known world. Listen, where you start is not always where God, God's gonna end you up, why? Because Ephesians 3.20 is true. He'll do above what you dare ask or even dream. God's dreams are bigger than our dreams. He has a bigger dream for you than you have. Come on. And so now he's the head of all of it. And he, the interpretation of the dream is that there's gonna be three years of, of crops and the three years of famine. So they, he said, the Pharaoh said, do whatever you gotta do. Uh, and so he stored up food. He stored up food. So then the three years of famine, they had food. And guess what? Everybody else had gold, silver, weapons, horses, everything of value. And they came and traded it for food. And Joseph, no wonder Pharaoh just said, you do it, dude. He made Egypt wealthy. Joseph did, the Jews did. And so he made them wealthy, and then here comes his brothers. They're looking for food, and they don't recognize him because he's all dressed. They thought he was in Calvin Klein. Now he's in, you know, whatever. What's the next level? Gucci, whatever. He's, 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 now, he's now looking, he's really decked out now, top, head to toe, and he's sitting on a throne, and he's got servants, and he's, he's the head friend, and they come in the room. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them, and he deals with them, and in the end, 
He takes care of all of them. He forgives them, takes care of all of them, takes care of his parents, loves them till they pass away. He only thought he's going to lead his family. He ended up leading the world. You know why? Because there's certain characteristics he had when he had that, that attached to that dream that you have to have. Here's number one. You have to be certain. He was absolutely certain what God had called him to do. So that's why when he was a slave, he did not rebel against God. He did not rebel against his master. He worked his butt off. And, had, and the Bible says because he didn't complain, he didn't gripe, he didn't make a big deal out of it. He just went to work and the favor of God was on him. And the, the, there was nothing that guy could do but promote him. He's, he was blessed. Everything he lays his hand to do was blessed. When he went to prison, he went to prison as an accused rapist and, or as a rapist and uh, was in prison. And yet, uh, here he is totally innocent of the crime. And he, he has the favor of God on him. And the jailer puts him in charge of the entire jail. He's got total freedom. He's the head trustee. That's how he got to know those other guys. Listen, if you'll just stick with God in the tough times, I love Psalms 23. It says, though I walk through, everybody say through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff are with me. God, you're on my side, and I see the end line. The end line is I'm gonna feast on your goodness. And that's how Joseph walked through. He had a certainty that God had given him a dream. He had a certainty that God would do what he promised to do. And when you have a certainty, you have a boldness. When you have that boldness, you can do anything. You have to have a boldness, not an arrogance, not a pride, but a boldness. Right now, we have a whole world shouting down Christians. They're shouting down Tony Dungy. They're shouting down the, the hockey player for the Philadelphia Flyers who refused to come out and wear a gay pride warm-up. They're shouting down Christianity. They're saying, you can't hide behind your religion anymore. We're going to shout you down. They're saying transphobia. To say that's a sin, uh, that the opposite is true, is a sin. To say it is a sin. To stand up for the word of God is a sin. To stand up and let your light shine for Jesus is a sin. We live in a dark place, and they need to see our light shine, and we need to do it with a boldness. Again, not an arrogance, not a pride, but a boldness that comes from being certain what you're called to do. Certain. And when you, have, when you know for certain what God has called you to do, you start living on purpose. You start living on purpose. Otherwise, your actions and intentions, you, you have an intentional walk about you. There's things you do intentionally. There's choices you make intentionally because you know what you're called to do. Before I met Julie, I had not dated seven, almost eight years because I was just purifying my life and getting my mind and life right. And right before I met her, she wasn't the first date I had. Within a month, I dated two other girls before I took her out. And I knew that God, I knew that God was opening a door for me to meet my wife. I met one, then another one. Julie was the third one I dated in that month. But let me tell you something. Because of the certainty of the call of God on my life, that he told me I was going to be a minister. I was a businessman at that time. He told me I was going to be a pastor. I knew I had to marry somebody that could be in the ministry with me. So after I, I, I told the other two, I knew immediately they didn't have a walk with God that was going to be, that was equal. I wasn't equally yoked with them. They claimed to know God, but they didn't, they didn't have the same walk I had. They didn't have the same passion. They didn't have the same intentions. They weren't going to church. They weren't tithing, but they claimed to know Jesus. I knew right then that was a no. No, no. 
And then I met Julie, and I knew on the first date it was a yes. How did I know? Because I grilled her. Do you go to church? Do you tithe? Do you serve? Do you do this? Do you do that? And it was like, yes, I tithe. Yes, I serve. Yes, I go to church. It was all the yeses. And then after a couple months, we knew we were going to get married that first day. After a couple months, we got serious. And then I told her, I said, listen, what I do now for a living is not what I'm called to do. It's not my purpose. It's not the dream. It's not my destiny. It's not the plan of God. I'm going to be a pastor. Can you come with me? And she said, yes. Listen, when you have a certainty about you, you know who and what to say no to and who and what to say yes to. But when you don't have it, you don't know. That's how people get sidetracked and they end up on these rabbit trails because they don't have a certainty about their calling and what God called them to do and the destiny and purpose and plan that God has for you, the dream he has for your life. You're not certain about it, so you say yes to a lot of things you should be saying no to and no to a lot of things you should be saying yes to. You walk away and quit things you should have stayed with and you stay with things you should have quit. But when you know, when you know, because you know, because you know, God's given us a little, what is that, thunder or airplane, whatever that is, a little sound effects. But when you know, guys, there's a certainty and there's a boldness that comes with you, and then now your actions become very purposeful. Your choices become very intentional. And until you get to that place where your actions and purposes become very intentional, you're never going to discover and completely understand the dream that God has for you. And just like Joseph didn't end up where he started and it didn't go the way he probably thought it would go, he still knew he was going to be a leader. He just didn't know he's going to be cat daddy leader. I knew I was going to be an advocate of some type. I was always wanting to be an attorney. I wanted to be an advocate. I wanted to advocate for people. I wanted to be an attorney. I started off there, but when God told me I was going to be a pastor, I realized I am going to be an advocate. That calling and that pull on my life was real. It just wasn't in the courtroom. It was in the church house and on the street and everywhere else we go as Church on the Move. So when you, have, when you know there's a certainty and there's a boldness that comes with it and you start making intentional per, uh, choices, your actions become intentional. You shift your awareness on how you are living when you know. You shift your awareness and you start thinking about how am I living? Am I doing th things that I should be doing? Listen, because I knew I was called to the ministry, I knew I had to make some changes. That's why I didn't date for seven and a half years, almost eight. I had to make some changes. I began to live so intentionally that, that I began to, to, to become more aware of how I was living so that I could fix bad thinking, bad actions, bad attitudes, and start working on me to prepare me for the ministry. That's what happened in those 13 years. He was a slave and an inmate. God began to work on him, and not only that, Joseph submitted to it, and he began learning how to really live the way God wanted him to live. He became more aware of how he was living so he could deal with habits. He could deal with stuff. He could add what God wanted him to add. He wanted him to add to know how to grow crops. He wanted him to add how you not only grow crops, but you produce big-time crops because he was producing big-time crops for his master. And so he said, man, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you all these things. He began to learn how to lead. And then when he went to prison, he learned about con men. Who was telling the truth and who wasn't? What's a good deal and what's a bad deal? He learned all that from the inmates. He was always learning, and God was, he was becoming more aware of how he was living, and he, God was adding to him what needed to be added and taking away what needed to be taken away. But you gotta know, you gotta know for certain what you're called to. 
And you gotta, you gotta know the certain the calling in, the, in front of you, but you gotta be willing to live out the steps right here, right now. Where do I start, Pastor Troy? Right here, right now. What is God dealing with you right now to either stop or do? Either stop or start. Because that's, he lives in the right now, but he's preparing you for the next day. He's preparing all of us if you'll let him. But man, if you get off, if you, if, you, if you don't get that certainty, you'll chase rabbit trail after rabbit trail after rabbit trail. It's so important in this day and this dark hour that his people are certain about the calling on their life. You're certain you're called to be a, a business person and raise money and pay for all the things we want to build and do. You're certain you're called to be the best nurse in the medical field to minister to those that are sick and minister to those that are helping the sick. You're certain you're called to be a doctor, a lawyer, a construction worker. Well, you're, you're certain you're called. This is what you put your hands to do. You're certain you're called to be a fireman, a police officer, whatever you're called to do, whatever God's trained you, whatever he's gifted you to do, there has to be a certainty about your life. And when there is, you'll start making, you'll get a boldness about you. And you, when you say no, you'll mean no. The Bible says that your no be no and your yes is yes. You can only do that when you're certain. Otherwise, you'll say yes to people and stuff that you aren't even supposed to be associated with. The Bible says, where there is no vision, my people perish. That word perish means they run around crazy. Run around looking. We got so many Christians running around looking. God doesn't want you running around looking everywhere. He wants you to focus on him, put him first, do the things he's dealing with you that are right in front of you, the steps, and learn how to walk in his light and so he can light up your path so you can live out the dream. Live out the things he prepared before you were born. Good works, good things he prepared for you to do, to accomplish, to shine our light all over this darkness. We know the, the darkness can't drive out the light. The light drives out the darkness. That's what God wants to happen right here, right now, in Roswell, America, in our lives. Right here, right now, today, starting today. He wants us to rise above where we've been. He wants us to gain clarity, and with clarity comes a self-confidence that comes with that when you're clear. No more looking backwards, only looking forwards. He wants to free you from your past so that you can look forward, but you gotta let go of the past. You gotta let go of unforgiveness of the past. You gotta let go of bad things that happened to you in the past. You gotta let go of the, of the mom and dad you wish you had, of the life you wish you'd had, the things you wish you'd have done. You gotta let go of the past. You, can't, you can relive that all the rest of your life and you'll go nowhere. You gotta finally let God be God. He said, I'll deliver you from your past so that you can walk in the dream and future that I have for you. It's Satan's trap. It's Satan's trap to get you to hang on to things from the past. It's a trap. It's, the, it's one of the best ones he puts out. And, and man, it's sad. People go nibble on it and eat of it and partake of the past. So much so. No, what we do with the past is two things. We remember all the good stuff and we learn lessons from the bad stuff. That's the only thing we take forward. We take the good stuff and the lessons and then we keep on going forward. But we can't live in that. When you have clarity of purpose, you start putting the past behind you. You're digging, you're like, man, get out of my way. I got, I'm going somewhere. God's got a destiny, a purpose, a dream for me to be a great father, a great husband, a great mom, a great dad, to, be, to, do, to do, take care of people, to do this, to do that. God has a dream. 
and he wants me to live it. He's the one that planned it before you were even born. No more excuses and no more blame. That's when you know your past is behind you, when you have no more excuses and no more blame. You don't blame and you have excuses of, man, I'm, I'm black, I'm brown, I'm white, I'm this, I'm that, I'm tall, I'm short, I'm not pretty, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. All those excuses, all the blame for everything is in the past and, and now, you're, now you're finally free to go forward. No more blame and no more excuses. You gotta let it go or it'll, Satan will hook you and you'll never fulfill the purpose and plan for your life and people hurting us. Listen, Joseph didn't live in the past when his brothers, when his dad died and, and his brothers came to him and said, Joseph, we know now that dad's dead, you're gonna kill us. Joseph wept. You know why he wept? Because they would even think that about him. He forgave them. Guys, I don't know if anybody in your family's ever beaten you beat you bloody, threw you in a hole, and then sold you into slavery. But I don't think that's happened to anybody here. He forgave them completely. He didn't live in unforgiveness or he'd have never made it through slavery or prison. He didn't, he didn't play the blame game or have excuses. He just kept focused on God and said, God, I'm just gonna keep doing the next right thing. I'm gonna just keep taking the next step. And this is where he ended up. He ended up on top of the mountain not down in the valley. And that's where you'll end up. That's where I'll end up. It's not too late to dream. It's not too late or too early. This is the moment you see God and say, God, show me. Show me, man. Show me the dream. Show me the vision. Show me what you want me to do. Call me and I'll listen. I, uh, God, just call me and I'll say, here I am. Let's go, God. You got to pursue it. You have to pursue it. And do we have any time left? Oh, I'll end with this. This is the second thing, you know. You gotta be bold. Another thing, you have to have some courage. Let me say something about courage. This is what I'm gonna leave you with. Courage is like a muscle. Courage is just like a muscle. The more you work a muscle, the stronger it gets. The more you work on being courageous in the small things, the more courage you'll have. A lot of people want to wait till, you know, man, I'll have courage when this happens. No, listen, there's courage in everyday life. Standing up to the people that want to beat the dream out of you takes courage. Standing up to the family who's jealous or envious of you takes courage. Standing up in the state of New Mexico and being different takes courage. I had a guy tell me the other day, he was unloading some stuff at my house, and he kind of looked at the, he kept looking at me, and he goes, are you the infamous Pastor Troy? <laughs> now, I don't know if you know this, but infamous is not good. And I laughed. I said, it depends on who's asking. But he started to talk to me and said, yeah, everybody knows who you are. And not in a, it didn't, wasn't in a good way. But we ended up joking around, and I didn't take offense to it. Listen, man, if you're going to serve God and you're going to live a dream, listen, we at Church on the Move, you know, we're swimming against the stream. We don't know. We're swimming big. We're, just being everybody, brown, black, white, and purple, being in this room together is swimming against every stream in our city. I'm telling you right now, we're swimming against the stream. We're different. That's why some people love us and some people hate us. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you fulfill, when you walk out the dream, 
I'll tell you one thing they will do, whether they love you or hate you, they will respect you. You'll earn their respect. They might hate us, but they respect us. He showed me, he was respectful to me after that. And I didn't fight, but I didn't get defensive. I just laughed with him and cut a bunch of jokes and said, I didn't set out to do that, man. That's not what, that's not what I set out to do. And he just started laughing. And we just, we just got through it, and he was so helpful and such a blessing to me. He was. He, he, he was very helpful and blessing. And I know, I, I, know I, I believe I'm going to have an opportunity to minister to him when, when he comes back. He's got to come back and finish some stuff. So I believe I'm going to have a, that's an open door to me. Listen, I, I believe he's going to be sitting in church worshiping God with us. When you, when you dare to dream God's dream and you're certain about it, there's a boldness that comes with that. There's a toughness that comes with that. There's a courage that comes with that. But you gotta practice courage every day. You gotta practice courage every day. Standing up, doing what's right. Standing up for what is right. You gotta practice courage. And when you practice courage and you work that muscle called courage, then when, when God opens up the big doors, you'll have the courage, to have the faith and courage to step right on through it. That's what God wants. Man, I have so much more I want to share with you about the qualities of someone that lives out the dream in God's kingdom. Oh, we got so much next Sunday. Woo! Can't wait for next Sunday. Listen, every eye closed here and online. Thank you, by the way, for joining us online. If you don't know this God I'm talking about, he sent Jesus and died for you. If that song, man, break it, man. God, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. If that song meant something to you, moved your heart, touched your heart, and you don't know him, he wants to know you. He said this. He said, I love you, and he said it first. He said, I love you so much, I'm going to die for you when you're my enemy. I was God's enemy. So many in this room were God's enemy. And he still died for us and still said, I love you. And he's saying that to you right now. I love you. I died for you. I want to save your life. I want to save your life from you because you're trying to live out your plan or maybe you've been so influenced by Satan in the world that you're living out that plan. That plan always leads to, dis to despair, discouragement, addictions, bad habits, bad relationships. I don't care how much money you make. I know people that are filthy rich. That doesn't establish success in God's eyes or mine. And they're miserable. They're miserable drinkers. They're miserable drunks. They're miserable people. They can't buy enough stuff to satisfy the hole that is in them. The darkness that lives inside of them. It's a black hole. You just, it just keeps sucking the life out of you. That's what Satan does. That's what living outside of God's kingdom does. If that's you, let's pray right now. Let's get this thing right with God. How do I get it right, Pastor Troy? You say to God, my life is no longer my own. It's yours. You created me. I realized that. And you gave your life to save my life. Now I'm going to give my life to you and submit to you. And you said you'd save my life and not just mine. But others that I love and care for. That's the first step. Your life is not your own anymore. You're not going to live selfish anymore.
You're going to give your life to Jesus and start living for him. And watch what he does. Watch what's accomplished. I'm telling you right now, it won't be easy, but boy, it'll be worth it. Oh, it'll be worth it. Is that what you want today? If you've never prayed, we want to pray with you right now. Maybe you have prayed and you keep bouncing back and forth. Two steps forward, four steps back, man. And today, I just want to encourage you, make a final decision that you're never going to take those steps backwards. That if you fall, you're going to fall forward. If you fail, you're going to fail forward like the rest of us. If you sin, you're going to fall forward. You're going to run to God, not away from God. That's how you take four steps back. No, keep taking steps forward. When you run to God, when you sin, it's a step forward. Quit running away. Quit running and start running to Him every single time. What if I do it ten times in a day? Run to Him ten times. He'll forgive you every time if you mean it. And he'll help you and he'll deliver you from what's pulling on you, what's dragging you backwards. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you want to pray and get right with God right here, this moment, right now. God is present. He's a whisper away. He's a prayer away always because he's, he's so waiting and wanting to be right here, right now, to save your life, to grant you heaven as your eternal home when you die and give you a life worth living right now in this life. Worth having and giving away. Your choice, though, he will not make you. Your decision. If you've decided and you're watching online for the first time or the next time, whether you're watching live today or you're watching next week, whenever you're watching this, and wherever you're at, if you decide to listen, I'm going to get right with God right here. I'm going to pray. I want you to send us a message. Say, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up and say, and acknowledge it. Say, God, it's me. It's me. I need to get right with you. It's me. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and put it down after I count to three, and then we're all going to pray together. We're all going to pray together. Here we go. Online, send the message in this room. One, two, three. Just put your hand up and say it's me. I'm going to get right with God. Oh, man. Everywhere. Let's all pray together. All of us pray. I don't care where you're at online or what day it is. You pray this if God's dealing with your heart and you choose to do it. Say this. Say, God. Come on, church. God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe that you love me. Even when I was your enemy, you loved me. You sent Jesus, and he died for my sins. His innocent blood for my guilty blood, for my life. I believe you raised him from the dead, and he's alive. And because I believe that, I ask you to forgive me, God, of all of my sins right now and I receive your forgiveness and I ask you to deliver me from my past and into my future serving you Jesus you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life you gave your life for me now I give my life to you teach me how to live according to your word, the dream you had for my life until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, I pray.
right now, I receive. Amen. So be it. Let's praise God. Come on, church. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.